You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and it's always great to be back with all of you. Uh, A brief reminder before we get started to stay with us during the breaks where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of on-air contributors. These are all women leaders at their organizations who bring news, education, and their expertise from their industries to the show each week. And we are incredibly grateful for their support and sponsorship. So thank you. As we continue to expand into new markets, we're always looking for additional corporate partners. So if you're interested in learning more, feel free to email me at susan at womentowatch.net. And don't forget as well to download the podcast um, where you can listen at any major podcast platform by visiting womentowatch.net and be sure to sign up for the newsletter so you can stay in the loop on all things Women to Watch. So now I am very excited and honored to welcome to the show Helen Grainer. Helen is the uh, co-founder of iRobot and she's the current CEO of Turtle. Helen, welcome to the show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you. What a cool career you have had. (laughs) We have a lot to talk about. but as always, I'm going to start with your beginning. And I, uh, I want to share with the listeners that you were born actually in London, England, but you were only there for about five years before your family moved to the U.S. So my first question is, do you have any memories of those first five years there? 
vague, vague memories of watching Top of the Pops and, you know, things on TV. Uh, but I can tell you when I came over, I thought I was going to live on Sesame Street because the only people I knew who talked like this were on Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a little disillusioned. <laughs> that is a very, very popular, long-standing program. Um, and, you know, I know that your dad, your dad was a refugee from Hungary. And um, did he did he talk to you about, you know, those struggles during those years? Or was that something he kept private as a parent? Um, no, the, my family would talk about it. It was very traumatic. Um, my grandmother, especially, um, she was, um, uh, you know, she was over 40 years old when she became a refugee and she had to, you know, live in a country that she didn't know the language. And I think my dad, because he came over when he was 14, fit in, got a wonderful scholarship to a, 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 an English university, Imperial. Um, you know, he, he just immersed himself in the culture, but I think it's harder for the older generation. Yeah, absolutely. So what was the um, impetus for coming to the U.S.? What brought your family here? <laughs> um, well, what I've heard about it was there was a wage freeze in England um, because of, uh, you know, inflation and other things. And my dad didn't feel like he could make a good enough living to uh, support a, you know, a, a small family. Yeah, I'm always so impressed by that. You know, a family coming to a completely different country and having to really start all over. Um, something many of us here in the U.S. never had to do. Is is there a lesson there for you, you know, um, from the family doing that and starting over? Well, I think the lesson from the my grandparents and my dad being a refugee was really that... Um, Things can change in an instant and never be complacent and always really value what you have because it can, you know, it it's ephemeral. Yeah. And you know what? This past year and a half has taught us all that, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so you had a very deep interest in science from a very young age. And I wondered, you know, um, how did your parents support your love of mechanics and engineering? Um. I think they, you know, they supported my um, uh, love of computers. My dad took computer programming uh, course with me, uh, a basic course at Radio Shack when I was younger. He had bought the first home computer. My mom is actually a nursery school teacher who really, really tried to get the kids interested in math and science because she had trained as a math and science teacher. So that combination really kind of pushed me towards uh, science and math. Yeah. And how about so how about socially in school as a young girl? Um, my guess is there's not always a larger percentage of girls interested in, in the things that you pursued. And did you struggle with any, you know, not fitting in or feeling as though, you know, you were not like the other girls that that surrounded you? I certainly did. Um, nothing like being on the math and chess team to be socially popular. Um, <laughs> but uh, in, in a way, I just opted out. You know, my interests were my interests, and uh, I opted to go for it. And I had a very strong interest in attending MIT, and I, you know, I wanted to do the things that would get me there. 
Let, tell tell our listeners, I think a, a very defining moment for you was at the age of 10 and, and going to see Star Wars, the movie. Um, you know, a lot of people love, love that movie, but the fact that you decided after seeing that you were going to create your own robot um, based on R2-D2, take, take us back to that to that day and, and how that influenced you. Oh, yes, I... So Star Wars on the big screen in, I think it was 77 or maybe the beginning of 78. And I fell in love because, uh, um, you know, not with uh, Han Solo or Luke Skywalker, but it was really all about R2-D2. You know, he had a personality, uh, an agenda, um, save the universe. Um, but it was really that he was more than a machine, right? He was, he was a machine, I recognize that, but he was more than a machine. And I always have this desire to create things that become to people more than machines. And you know, one of the, I don't know it's necessarily a controversy, but it's um, a flip side to, to what you're creating and building and doing is that people have this concern and worry about you know, a dystopian society and, and how we could be headed there. So t- tell me what you say to those folks who have that concern. Um, I mean, robots are a help, right? Robots are uh, something that can free up time. They can take on jobs you don't like to do. We like to say the dull, dirty, and the dangerous. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like computers. I think people worried about them until they had them on their desktop and you know when they hit with the blue screen of death (laughs) um a few times right from from past uh uh windows um you know they they recognize what they can do and what they can't do and they you know they get a little less concerned about computers taking over so robots become the next thing you know after having built some of the best robots in the world the ones that are the most prevalent uh, with the irobot roomba i can honestly say that I'm not worried about the robots taking over because I know the kind of things they can do today and what they're not good at doing and what it's going to take to get to be uh, even equivalent to humans, let alone beyond. Yeah. And I love hearing that from you, someone who absolutely knows, you know, uh, the truth about that. And, And as you said, with computers, it's if you use them for the right reasons and in the right ways, it can be incredibly exciting and really make our lives better. Exactly. I, I think that computers have made our lives better. The information that's available to everybody today, the you know, the, the mapping, so you don't have to worry about opening a map and finding directions. There's just so many things that we didn't have as we were growing up that we have today that make life just so much easier. Yeah. Listen, we're going to go into our first break. And when we come back, I want to talk more about that topic. Stay with us for our watch team. And I'll be back with Helen Grainer, again, the uh, co-founder of iRobot and the current CEO of Turtle. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. This morning on Your Radio Doctor, our guest was Dr. Denny Carice from Recovery Centers of America for a two-part series on the opioid epidemic. How did it happen and where is it going? First, an opioid is a medication used to treat pain. It can also give a feeling of euphoria or make you high. The U.S. is home to 4.6% of the world's population, but consumes 80% of the world's opioids. 
Since the 1990s, opioid use and overdose deaths have reached epidemic proportions, including in pregnant women. Many people get trapped by addiction after receiving opioid prescriptions for surgery or an injury. But to call this the main reason would oversimplify the explanation. The rise in opioid use has come in waves. In 1996, pain became the fifth vital sign along with blood pressure, pulse, temperature. Instead of giving pain meds as needed, patients were given the next shot or pill before the current pain medication wore off. From 2010 to 16, heroin became much more available. It's purer and a lot cheaper than opioids. A typical dose of OxyContin is $80. You can get the same high from heroin for only $20. Now you've added needles and risk for infection in the heart, bones, hepatitis, HIV, and more. And since 2013, we see synthetic opioids, illicitly manufactured fentanyl, 100 times stronger than morphine, and a newer variation, carfentanil, is 10,000 times stronger than morphine. The latest trend, cocaine laced with fentanyl. Overdose and death rates are climbing. What does the future hold? Pennsylvania declared a statewide emergency and is putting dollars into tracking, providing Narcan, the life-saving antidote for opioid overdose, and easier access to treatment. In many areas, police are helping, almost like social workers, counseling, carrying Narcan. But we have work to do. Mexico smuggles 90% of U.S. heroin over our border. Fentanyl and carfentanyl have flooded the U.S. from China and Mexico, cheaper, deadlier than heroin, and can be ordered online. Divas, if there's someone in your world who uses opioids, get them help. They may be angry at first, but in the end, they'll see your love shine through. Now, the women to watch, Military Watch. Hi, I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. The moment we've been waiting for since last summer will finally be here on Friday with the Tokyo Olympics kicking off. While there won't be any spectators in the stadiums, there will be a world of people watching the games unfold on their TVs, computers, and phones. Among the over 600 Olympic athletes making up Team USA in this year's games, there are 19 U.S. military service members. These athletes include one Marine, one member of the Coast Guard, and 17 soldiers from the Army's World Class Athlete Program. This program gives the soldiers the chance to not only serve their country, but the opportunity to train and compete in the Olympics and Paralympic Games. Among the soldiers competing in Tokyo, one will make history as the first female active duty U.S. service member to represent USA Boxing in the Olympic Games. Staff Sergeant Naomi Graham enlisted in the Army in 2013 and has been boxing since she joined. Graham has more than a dozen first-placed wins under her belt, including her title as the top contender at the 2020 U.S. Olympic Team Trials for Boxing. With the Games just days away, Graham has shared what it means to be a soldier athlete. She said, The military teaches you to be adaptable in any situation, and I believe I take that into the ring. Being a soldier athlete means everything to me. On both sides, I get to show what a leader looks like. Well, I know I'll be watching Graham and the rest of our service members in Tokyo and all of Team USA over the next few weeks. And I hope you enjoy the action, too. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. 
Welcome back to the show. I have a wonderful guest with me today, Helen Grainer. Uh, she's the co-founder of iRobot. Um, she's also the current CEO of Turtle, and we're going to talk about both companies and, and some of the cool things they're doing. Um, Helen, I wanted to ask you a question about when I when I talk to women like you um, who really have uh, the intellectual smarts, um, and you have to, to, to be in the career that you do, um, I think other women assume that everything comes easy for you. And uh, I wonder if you can talk about any personal challenges that you may have had growing up that um, you're proud that you overcame or perhaps it is still a struggle for you today. Well, I was extremely shy. I mean, painfully shy, beyond painfully shy, right? If people came up and talked to me, even in high school, I would just um, clam up and I couldn't bring myself to say anything. And the thought of speaking in public was something that I would think I will never do that ever because that's not me. I figured I'd be in the background and um, making stuff for other people to promote, etc. Um, every time I did a speaking engagement when I was uh, a young professional, I went to the bathroom and I threw up beforehand, like every wow. time for yeah. years. And you know what? I kept doing it and I finally got used to it. And now I'm on a podcast with you today and I feel reasonably comfortable. That's Unless you ask me yeah. any hard questions. <laughs> I never ask hard questions. <laughs> and you, you did a TED Talk. Correct. I did. I did. I did a TED talk. So right up in front of everybody. Yes. Yeah, so that's a huge boy. Wow. You know, overcoming that. And first of all, that, you know, getting sick before speaking um, is very, very common. And it's actually very common with athletes, you know, before games. Right. So um, what do you I want to know what was in your head? What was kind of your mantra? What is it that you say to yourself in those moments before when you're nervous about something having to present? Um, now I tell myself, don't worry about it. Um, it doesn't matter. It's going to be fun. And you're the best person in the world to talk about this topic, especially if it's about your career and your life. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think you're right. When you know when the topic is something you know you've been successful at and you certainly have, um, that's very helpful. So I want to talk about, on your very first day at MIT, uh, you met two men who would become your partners at iRobot. Mm -hmm. Colin Angle. Only one of them, uh, the student, Colin Angle. Colin, okay. Yeah. Um, for, first of all, I'm picturing you at that time at MIT. What was the ratio of, of men and women um, when you were there studying? I believe it was one to 11 when I started out and it's got better and better every year. And now I believe last I heard it was 45% women. That's excellent. Tell me, what was it about Colin that that you led you to trust him to become a partner? Well, we were just friends first, right? Um, but this was freshman year. We didn't become business partners until after we both had our master's degrees. <laughs> um, but we did a lot of fun stuff, right? The whole gang of people, we went um, snowball fights and snowboarding and um, hiking and all the things that college students uh, some college students like to do. Um, uh, so it was really, um, you know, he wasn't the only friend I had in college, but he was, you know, he was a good friend. And we shared a common interest in technology and robotics uh, specifically. We ended up both as interns at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory working on 
uh, space robotics and rovers. Tell me about the comp- well. Tell me about the idea for the iRobot. What was there? You know, were you doing something at the time, and you thought, you know, this would be incredibly helpful? Yeah. yeah. Um, well. First, we were at the MIT Artificial Intelligence Lab. Colin was working for Rod Brooks, our third business partner, and he was my academic advisor. And iRobot came about because there was this incredibly exciting technology called behavioral control, where we could actually put, for the first time, the brains of a robot on board. Like the, the thought was, you know, with modest computational assets, you know, with very small brains, flies and ants can get around and do incredibly um, complex tasks, you know, finding food, pollinating plants, all the things that these um, insects do. But in the field of robotics, people were taking the brains and putting them off board and then sending robots commands. So for the first time, there was a paradigm that one of the business partners came up with called behavioral control, that's Rod Brooks. And we, they were building robots in the AI lab that got a lot of attention. They made the cover of Discover and Scientific American and all the, you know, the science press. They were very interesting, right? They were walking robots and everyone's always interested and exciting about robots that walk around like animals. And they had a lot of sensors on board. Um, so we started the company, you know, that there must be something here, there must be applications. But for many of the first years, we were really investigating those applications and seeing where this technology could really make a, um, a big impact. And it wasn't until eight years in that we started working on the Roomba. But before that time, we did robots that went down into oil wells. We did large cleaning robots. We did robots that were toys and games, a baby doll with hats. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We did robots for research labs. We did robots for museum displays. All the, any robot for money, we like to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it wasn't until we started doing uh, the, the Roomba where we could design something, put it on the market. You know, it was the first time we raised venture capital for it, and we could sell it at a price point that people would take out their wallets and, and buy it. And we did it under our own brand, whereas previously we were trying to say, hey, we do the technology and these large companies do the, the marketing and the, the branding. 
And that didn't really work, I think, because it was a disruptive field. It was hard to move a glacier a different direction. Um, so we really, um, uh, you know, we, we pushed the Roomba out and it's been extremely successful. It's 20% of the North American vacuuming market and there's over 30 million out there in the world today. What was the year it came out? The, the very first year it was? 2002. In fact, my business partner at Turtle, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, he's the guy who came up with the idea for the Roomba when we were at iRobot. He, um, he wrote a, a white paper saying, hey, we should be doing not the most complex robot, but one of the simpler robots that we could do first. And that was the inspiration to put a team together and build the Roomba. Yeah, wow, that's, that's incredibly exciting. Um, we're going to go into our next break, and we will be back with Helen Grainer. Um, stay with us for our watch team. You're listening to Women to Watch. Now, the Women to Watch, nonprofit watch. Good evening, Women to Watch listeners. I am Cheryl Mackey, Lead of Financial Empowerment at United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. Research continually suggests that higher education offers a wide range of benefits for individuals such as higher earnings, lower likelihood of unemployment, improvements in health, and greater civic engagement. When an individual graduates from college, their lifetime earnings double, and the way is paved for future generations of their families to pursue the path to and through college. Daniel Lurie says, founder and CEO of Tipping Point Community, as the first person in my family to receive both a post-secondary and advanced degree, I can attest to the doors that open for my family. Currently, I have three family members in education, a retired firefighter, a nurse, an attorney, three nephews, and a son who are enrolled in post-secondary education. Even my mother returned to school later in life. While the cost of college increases yearly, in the 2020-2021 academic year, most colleges and universities have refrained from increasing tuition costs to meet the economic needs of families during the pandemic. However, college expenses are still more than most low to moderate income families can afford. The College Savings Account Program through our community partner, Utility Emergency Services Fund, or UESF, help low to moderate income high school seniors, college freshmen, and sophomores in the greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey region with incentive saving matches that can build their assets and attain greater self-sufficiency. Students with dedicated college savings of $500 or less are three times more likely to attend college and four times more likely to graduate from college than those without savings. The Lubert CSA programs will afford recent high school graduates as well as those who have enrolled an opportunity to reach their goal of attaining a four-year degree. For more information, please contact Sarita Stanley at saritastanley at uesfacts.org or go to their website, www.uesfacts.org. I'm Cheryl Mackey. Thanks for listening. Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. I have with me Helen Grainer uh, today, and 
Helen, when I was doing my research on your career, one of the most exciting things I think um, that you were involved in was in 2002 when your company developed a tiny robot that would explore the tunnels in the Great Pyramid of Giza in Egypt um, that were built by by the Pharaoh 4,500 years ago. That's unbelievable. I'm, I'm such a huge fan of history, um, you know, and learning about specifically people from those those times. How exciting was that? It was a very, very cool project. Um, there was a, uh, a passage going up and there was a, uh, a block in the passage and they didn't have any way to be able to get around these bends and get up to that block. So they came to us as a robot company. It was National Geographic. And you know, you can't say no to National Geographic. It's like mom and apple pie, right? Yeah. If they come calling, you take the, you take the call. Yeah, you, you take it. So we, we took it on, and the team put together something to, uh, based on our military robots that could go up and core drill through this and take a peek through. But then um, they changed it on us. They said, oh, and we're going to do it live on national television. Oh, my gosh. Um, we're going to peek into this chamber. We're like, oh, no, can't we just take a look first? Yeah. <laughs> and then and then they planned it the day before we launched the Roomba for the first time. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Without us able to change it. So I'm feeling very guilty about it, right? Because, what, if, what? you know, this is just a prototype, right? What if we tank it and mess up the launch of our... <laughs> oh, my God. Right. What if it, it's a black screen? and not, you can't yeah, see yeah, anything. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like the robot messed up. So um, let's just say uh, I had a little to drink that night when we were watching it live on television, time, time. <laughs> no. And the robot crawls up and it puts the core drilling machine through and it then it takes it out and it puts the camera through and the whole world is waiting for a picture and it, the robot takes a picture and there's nothing there. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> but there is, I mean, the robot worked fine, right? So right. it was right. just there was actually not much there. There was some scientifically, archaeologically interesting things, like the the handles on the back of this, um, you know, this this blockage, right? Um, but it wasn't like. Um, you know, the treasure of the pharaohs or anything like that. <laughs> I'm sure uh, everyone, was, everyone was yeah, expecting gold expecting and, gold. you know, yeah, yeah. rubies. And, um, yeah, so if you're going to do it on national TV, I think take a peek first is the, the lesson learned on that. But that wasn't our choice. Right, um, right. It was a very cool project. And, um, you know, the robot worked fine and everything worked out fine for the Roomba launch. But it was a little harrowing there because if the robot had gone wrong and people were waiting for the robot to work, Right, right. Oh, my gosh. I was feeling a little bit, um, maybe I shouldn't have signed us up for this. <laughs> <laughs> but again, how do you say no to National Geographic? How do you say no, right? Have Such you, a cool project. Have you done anything similar to that since then? Um, no, once we had the room on the market, we really had to focus and try to stick to, you know, taking on the vacuuming market, taking on people that, you know, were coming in because once they see something successful, some people just copy um, all the copycats on the market, you know, being able to um, stay ahead in that field. Yeah. So we put the Roomba on the market in 2002, um, took it public, the, took the company iRobot public in 2005. I stayed on for three more years after that. So a total of 18 years. Wow. <laughs> and um, I really feel good about it, right? I really felt that it was um, 
very successful. It took a long time to figure out which way to go, but once we did, it has changed the robotics landscape and helped so many people, uh, especially women, who now don't have to do the sweeping every day. Well, you, I, have, you might, yeah. Yeah. I have to tell you, my, my mother-in-law, I think it's great for older people. Um, specifically, and I got my especially first. For anyone, especially yeah. people with yeah. kids, right, who are throwing food around at every meal. Well, how about and dogs and pets? Yeah. yeah, people with pet hair. Yeah, so many types of people. Yeah, it's awesome. So, uh, but busy, busy working women, especially, right? Because yes. Who yes. has time to do that all the time? And now it's automated. Uh, well, I have to tell I I couldn't imagine how efficient it could be until I got my first this year. And, oh, wow. and it is amazing. And the first time you use it, you find you're just watching it and you could have been yeah. doing it yourself, you know, and that was a problem. I remember one consumer report come out and say, well, this thing is like not a good product. It it takes longer than doing it yourself. And it's like, well, if you spend the time watching it, yes. But if you walk away, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> something else, like completely missing the point. Right. <laughs> Well, listen, let's talk about Turtle because I, I don't know, you know, it's a fairly new product or perhaps it's been around years and, and it's just, you know, becoming um, known to people. Um, tell our listeners what exactly it is and does and how did you end up becoming the CEO there? Well, Turtle's a weeding robot. It uh, looks pretty close to a Roomba. It's a little smaller. It's about eight inches, so it can get between plants. And you put it in your garden at the beginning of the growing season when you don't have any weeds, and it keeps weeds from growing. It's, a, it's an amazing product. I Joe, who had invented the Roomba, had a Kickstarter for it. And, you know, of course, I funded his Kickstarter. And... Um, I put it in my garden and it did a great job. And I was like, this is a wonderful product. And so I invested in the company. And then um, when I was uh, looking for what to do next, um, uh, you know, they said, hey, join, join us. And because I liked the product so much because it was doing such a great job in my garden, I decided rather than start another company, start with a, a base of a product that really does a good job to people in exactly the realm I like, save them time, save busy professionals time, save people who don't have the physical capacity, um, keep them being able to do the jobs that they want to get done. You know, so how it lives, it lives it, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, the turtle, it lives in your garden. It runs on sunshine with a little solar panel. Okay. You never have to charge okay. it. And it does the weeding every day. It just goes out, does a little weeding wow. intermittently throughout the day. And it's, um, it, it's an amazing solution to uh, a chore that, uh, another chore that people, you know, don't like to do and it gets put to the bottom of the to-do list. Yeah, amazing. Um, we're going to go into another break and when we come back, I want my guess is your company has done very well um, during COVID because everyone I know started gardens, <laughs> include, including my husband um, who never planted a vegetable garden before. But um, So I want to talk a little bit about that. Stay with us. I'll be back with Helen Grainer and our watch team is coming up. Coming up next is our Coach's Corner podcast, which is a shorter version of our weekly show and can be heard wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm BJ Gray with this week's Coach's Corner. 
I love frameworks for everything I do. They give me something to follow in order to achieve a goal or build foundations for new things I'm learning. And when I was learning how to expand my leadership style, to not only be able to understand the business world, but to lead a culture that thrived, I needed a framework to establish a more thoughtful leadership style. And that started with leading myself in a more authentic way. A self-awareness framework is what I developed. Know my personal story and how it shapes me. Know what triggers me. Know how to reflect and watch my thoughts that create my perception. Know my damaging habits that hold me back or my sabotaging behaviors. Know how how not to retreat into my story. Know strategies for negative emotions and self-management. And know the power of my emotions and how to use them as a guidepost. If this framework piques your interest and you want help with your leadership transformation, then get in touch and sign up for an appointment with me at bjgray.com. Thanks for listening to this edition of Coach's Corner. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn or at bjgray.com. Until next time, I'm BJ from Coach's Corner. Now more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm speaking with Helen Grainer. Again, she's the co-founder of iRobot um, and the current CEO of Turtle. And just before the break, Helen, I mentioned to you that my guess is, um, you know, all industries fared differently during COVID. And I just know so many people who started to garden and plant um, during our you know, time at home and wondered how Turtle fared through the past year. Yeah, we, the company was actually helped um, because gardening became even more popular. It's always been a popular pastime, but it's become even more popular. And now I think not just because people were trapped at home, but because people have started thinking about what they value, time with family, getting good nutritious food, um, growing it yourself makes it, you know, it's a, it's a very feel good hobby to do. And that's a great reward at the end, right? You get the fruits or vegetables, uh, uh, for your table. Right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your, your interest in, um, kind of supporting girls and women in the field of STEM, you know, trying to, you know, a lot of what we talk about on the show is about that. I think the field needs more minds like yours. What kinds of things are you or your company doing um, to contribute to that? Well, I think as a robot company, uh, we're in a very special place because robots are, you know, the gateway drug to get kids hooked on STEM and uh, technology, right? It's, uh, um, they, they have the interest already. I do speak at classes and you know, ask kids, what kind of robot do you want? And there's so many responses, right? They We have to squash the ones to do the homework, which is usually number one. Right. <laughs> um, but there's, uh, you know, the, the minds are going and then being able to tell them you don't have to just, it's not just things that you buy, it's things that you can make. And there's so many wonderful programs, you know, First Robotics, BotBall, um, you know, where kids can get involved and learn about technology through building actual robots. And, you know, when you built a robot, you're like, you know, you're not scared of technology, right? You're, um, you're like, oh, I understand kind of what's inside. So instead of just being consumers of technology, become people who think that, oh, maybe I can have this as a career. So I do think we're in a very special place in building robots to encourage children to um, go into engineering and science. And 
let folks know that it's a very creative field, right? It's not just um, a geeky, uh, you know, you work a, alone on a, you know, with a chalkboard. It's, it's really, uh, it's about a team of people that come together from all different aspects of, you know, whether it's mechanical, electrical, computer science, marketing, um, uh, finance, like everything comes together um, to build a product that people can use, uh, you know, user um, interface design. There's so many aspects of it, and um, the creativity that um, you can display in this, and the impact you can have on the world um, uh, in the STEM fields. I, I, I think that something that uh, getting that message out to children is is great. Um, Helen, I want, I, I want to share a quote. Um, you said, I believe robots will have the ability to do the work that's either too dangerous or too boring for humans. Um, can you share with us, we just have a few minutes left, any current project or, or product, I should say, that you're excited about or working on? Um, well, uh, you know, we just put the, uh, the turtle on the market pretty recently. And, you know, we're always continuing to develop based on user feedback. We're thinking about all the other places in the garden that people need help. So uh, the, my vision is people should be able to have the landscape of their dreams. And what holds them back today is all the effort of maintenance that it would take. So if we can make that maintenance easier, and we've already taken on the biggest challenge, which is weeds. So if we can make all the maintenance easier for people so they know what to do and when to do it, I think instead of just having lawns, people will uh, be able to have that landscape of the dream. Maybe it's berries, maybe it's shrubs, maybe uh, it's a bigger vegetable garden. We're taking on the real pain points so people can um, uh, you know, have what they want. And do you have aspirations to get more involved in um, those dangerous, you know, those dangerous roles, which, you know, um, that's a whole other arena. Yeah, not not with this company. Um, uh, not Just unless personally? you consider being next to the, you know, the thorny bushes as dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> um, but personally, uh, you know, my my just one prior job, I worked for the Pentagon, uh, giving advice to the Army on their initiatives in robotics and technology. And so uh, I do keep my finger in um, robots to go out and do dangerous tasks. And one of the things I'm proudest of in my career, which I didn't even mention, was the robots we built for the military that did uh, IED bomb disposal in Iraq and Afghanistan. Wow. They've been credited with saving the lives of hundreds of soldiers and thousands of civilians. So that's something I really feel good about that um, guys are coming home because of the technology we provided. Yeah, I'm so glad we squeezed that in. Excellent. Helen, thanks so much for, for sharing your story with us. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Stay tuned next week for my interview with Joy Garner, EVP, General Counsel, and Corporate Secretary for Think 450, the MBPA organization. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. and is
does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.